I'm Matt Garrow-Fisher and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this episode, I talked to Steve Polaski. I had some coaching with Steve in Thailand, and the reason I want to share his story and his mindset is because I want you all to ask the question, what am I doing this for? Working his way up quickly to Global Vice President of Manufacturing Operations, MD, and CEO roles for multi-billion dollar companies enabled Steve to retire early in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And amazingly, he came back to employment to set an example to his son and find more meaning in his life. Now, purpose is a huge motivator to take action in life. And you don't need to have a purpose statement, but if you feel something with emotion about the work you do, or even the lifestyle you have, then the chances are you will care more and put in that much more effort. If you listen to a few of my shows, Many of my guests have had the promotions, the pay rises, but they come to a point where they are searching for something more in life. When money doesn't motivate you, what is your why? What projects will fulfill you and what impact do you want to make? In career change, if you're not feeling fulfilled, asking these questions is key. So in this episode, we talk about Steve's recent realisation that he had never given 100% and what that awareness has brought to his motivation and determination now. How your identity can be threatened when thinking about career change or retirement and the inner work needed to deal with this. How to check in with four key pillars to create balance in life. What do you want your epitaph to say about you when you die? When you listen, think about What is your biggest driving force in your life? What is most important to you and how can that shape your next career choice or lifestyle decision? The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews. So listen all the way through and enjoy. Tell some of the listeners a little bit about your background in terms of your career leading up to your early retirement. Okay, I'll try to sh- give you the five-minute story. It was funny because working in Korea, I'm in this rice field about two hours south of Seoul. We had built our own greenfield factory, had it running and things, but I found that my life was pretty much work. And I was making a lot of money, a lot of money at a young age. And I finally realized that I said, even if they paid me $10 million a year, I can't do this anymore because my life became super boring, okay? It was like six days a week, just work, work, work. But I've always been a lucky guy and opportunities have always been presented to me. So suddenly my boss calls me and we had this big contract with Motorola and he says, hey, I need you to go to Thailand. Like, cool, Thailand. So with this company, I spent a lot of time throughout Asia. My boss then went off, uh, became president of, of another company in the U.S. He asked me to come on to become VP of global manufacturing. So I did that for a few more years. And then finally, I'd saved up a lot of money. I'd say 2005, 
I decided to hang it all up. I had uh, lots of money. I had uh, some good stock and stuff. And so I built this multi-million dollar home on a golf course in Chiang Mai. It was my dream home. It was it was huge. It was 7,000 square meters. We had uh, pools. We had gardeners. We had life sports cars, beautiful property overlooking a par three golf course and stuff. And basically all I did for the next five years was golf. I became very good at golfing. I got my handicap down to effectively zero almost, competed in a lot of things. But basically my job was Monday to Friday, I played golf and Saturday and Sunday, I took it off because all the people that had jobs played golf. And so then it became busy. But at the same time, I had my son and he was born in, in 2006. And I, I, I started feeling, I don't want to say guilty, but I'm like, wow, do I want my son to think that life is like easy, that life is about playing golf and living in a big mansion and all this stuff. And I started feeling like I was maybe sending the wrong message to him. When he was one or two, it was no problem. But by the time he started getting about four or five years old, around 2010, I said, maybe I start, I should start doing some things. And so I think this was the impetus that caused me to change was really my son and me trying to become a role model. I didn't want him to think that his dad was a, an amateur golfer coming home, drinking beer with his buddy five days a week. And that was life. That's what life was about. I decided, I said, I'm going to get back into the corporate world again. And so I ended up uh, getting a, a managing director job in a uh, aerospace company. I know it's quite good. It was, uh, it gave me a chance actually to reassess about what I was good at and what really excited me in life. I think prior to that, the six, seven years that I was call it pretty much retired, I found no purpose, no meaning to my life other than being a good golfer and going and playing with my friends and enjoying things. So suddenly I had this purpose again. The purpose was, okay, solve problems, build a team, blah, blah, blah. And that brought me up to a couple of years ago. And then a couple of years ago, I was at a, a seminar and I got quite interested in self-improvement. I had been involved in self-improvement before. I had gone to Tony Robbins. I'd gone to multiple different seminars throughout my life. But for some reason, this thing clicked in my head and I was like, I want to now understand people. I want to understand myself, number one, but I want to understand other people. And I pretty much just immersed myself. I'm one of these like all or nothing guys. So I immersed myself into the coaching field, took NLP, master NLP coaching, all kinds of uh, beautiful state things, blah, blah, blah. And, and spent this whole time just focusing on that, learning about that and starting to help other people improve their lives. So that's that portion of the story, Matt. And it's fascinating, particularly that you pretty much retired early, building a mansion in Thailand with the, the golf was your main job, actually, mm. Monday to Friday. You did it out of passion, out of something you love to do. What was, you mentioned about having your son and when he was around four, you thought, oh, something's got to change here. Something's got to change. Mm. When you actually realized that, what, was there a certain kind of feeling or something that kind of made you think, I'm going to just stop now. I've got to do something more, more for my son. Did you ask yourself any specific questions to stop? Because most people are striving throughout their life to get to that point, to get mm. to retirement where they can play golf all day or they can live in a mansion and, and, and have, have a really nice life. So what made you change? Like what was the kind of underlying force behind it? I think it's just because I've always been a person that likes to lead by example. And I felt that the way that I was leading my life was not the example that I wanted for my son. 
And I think that's the answer, Matt. And I wanted to show him that life isn't just given to you and it's not supposed to be this easy and not supposed to look this good. There's work involved with it. And I think that was really what drove me just to say, I need to set a better example. I need to show him that you need to work hard, however that is, whether it's your own business or whatever. I just happen to chose, choose an easy path, okay, which was what I was good at, go run a company. But I think that's the answer to the question. Let's talk a little bit about balance as well, because you said in your, well, for a lot of your career, particularly when you're in Korea, you would, if you were offered $10 million a year, you wouldn't have taken it because you, you didn't have a life. You, right. you just didn't have any time to do stuff that you wanted to do because you were working all the time. With hindsight and the fact that you've gone through that, that those experiences, how would you now define a good balance in life? And if someone was working uh, and listening to this and working you know, really hard, they're earning like more money than they even needed, but they were in the situation that you're in, what would you advise them to do in order to restore balance? Is there like a, a structure in your mind where when you have the right balance in your life? Or is it a case of I am going to just quit and I'm going to retire and play golf? What is there a middle ground? Yeah, there's a middle ground. I think you can almost break it into maybe four areas. So we have mental balance. We have social, which is our social interaction with people. We have family. And then we have call it career. So these are the four, what I call key pillars of a person that you need to balance. And when one of them becomes too big, for example, if you're all focused on career and the other ones erode, that's not so good. Or if you're all focused on the social and then the other stuff goes away, you lose self-worth. To me, and physical is always an important thing because you know I'm an avid exerciser, I've always been and I always will be. And so for me, it's to have at least a decent blend of these four things. Okay. And for each of those four things, how would you describe them? Would you describe them as a career in themselves or like a job, like an identity that you have? Yeah. So I think let's start with mental. Mental is really understanding yourself and understanding other people. And of course, I've been, I've gone through the stresses. I've ended up in the hospital before with many strokes at one time. And so mental is important where you invest time to understand how you think and how other people think so that you can become a better person. And, and life is not about receiving, it's about giving. And it's about how do you provide things to society that will improve society, whether that's yourself or other people. The physical side is quite important because if you don't have a physical foundation, then you don't have motivation, you don't have energy, you don't have the ability to uh, resist stress, let's say, and stuff. So I think you know physical is super important. Social interaction is very important because if you become just this person that has no friends and only focus on business or only focus on fitness, then you get lonely. Loneliness is a difficult thing and people can get lonely. When I was in Korea, I got lonely. It's a difficult culture and I was by myself. I was still the boss, but it was like just this feeling of loneliness, which was not a good feeling, had the money. And then careers, careers are what you make of them. An interesting thing is I always ask myself the question, why do some of these people like a Bill Gates or whatever, why do they just keep going? It's not about money anymore. And it's an interesting thing. And I think I think the problem is, is when you're on this journey, right? And the problem is if you don't have a well-defined endpoint, then you continue on this journey forever saying, I need more. 
when you get more, your lifestyle adjusts and you need more. Then you get more and your lifestyle adjusts and you do this and you're always chasing this. And I think the best advice I can give to people is define a point. That's the end point. And always keep your lifestyle below that end point. So you have this cushion in between there, but define that end point. And it has to be using SMART goals, has to be clear, it has to be concise, it has to be what is it I am after? Bottom line is if you don't if you don't have clear endpoints, let's say in all four of these areas, then you can create disharmony in yourself. So what would be an example of an endpoint for, for you, would you say? Because is that endpoint, does that endpoint ever change once you've set it? Well, that's the problem is I think human nature changes it for you because you become accustomed to a different level of lifestyle. And this is what I struggle with and I continue to struggle with, but I think I'm getting closer to the solution. And so for me, my end point today is I'm 58 years old, so I'm not getting any younger. And my son is 14. So he's got a few more years and off to the university and stuff. So my end point now is I want to continue what I'm doing. I'm in a company now as general manager. It's a big company uh, on the New York Stock Exchange. But I want to continue because I feel like I've left something off the table that I need to get back on the table. I feel like if I were to die tomorrow and I said, what was my legacy? That it's, it's not well-defined right now because it's, uh, it's been jumping around. And so what I want to do is me, what I'm good at is I'm, run, I'm good at running companies. I'm good at solving problems, growing businesses, things like this. And so my goal right now and my end point is to get to a point where I have succeeded at a bigger level, okay, ideally running a multi-billion dollar company so that I can walk away and say, I did it well. Here's the proof of that. and that to me is the end. And then I walk away from it and I start my real retirement at a 60, 65 year old range, hopefully. And it's not motivated. Is it motivated by money in some way or, or it, there's an, a, a different motivation this time around in, in your career? Well, money is almost always a motivation, but this time it's to, here's how I feel about myself. Okay. If I go backwards in my career, I feel when I look at things that I never gave anything my full effort, okay? Now, fortunately, that goes back to college. I never gave my full effort, yet I graduated in the top 5% of one of the better universities. I never gave my full effort, yet I was one of the youngest directors in a $20 billion Fortune 60 company. Yet I never gave my full effort, yet I became general manager of companies. I started up companies, but I never gave my full effort. And I don't feel good about that. And so now I'm like, okay, this is it. Now I want to give my full effort and I want to see what it'll, where it'll take me because I've never done that. I've always gotten lucky. I've always gotten minimal input, maximum output. And now I want to give maximum input and see what that maximum output is. And I don't know what it is yet. Uh, it could be scary, but that's really what I want to find out. Where did this question come from or, or realization that you've never really given your full effort? Was this something that's been bubbling over the years or was it a realization that you've had recently that, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe I could go 100, 100% or 110%. Well, I just realized that over the last year, I spent a lot of time, like I said, on learning about myself. 
And I stopped working in the end of 2019. And then I started working again in February of 2020. So I had it over a year of time. And during that time, I, I read books, I wrote a book, I learned about things. I went to lots of courses on self-help, NLP, coaching. I coached people. And I realized, that's when I realized that I had never really given anything my full effort. And it bothered me. It was like, wow, what a wimp. And if I were to put a, a metric on it, I think when I first started things, I probably put 80% effort. But on the average, I probably only put 50% effort. And now I'm like, okay, I did okay, but what if I had, what if I had put 100% effort into things 10, 15 years ago, where would I be? And I guess that's the unanswered question I have. So I, I, I recognized it last year and it started to haunt me and it started to say, do I want to, I read this book, I think it was by Goggins, he's a Navy SEAL, but he asked himself the question. He said, when he got to the pearly gates, God asked the question, he said, did you give 100% effort? And the answer is no. It was something that really hit home. I think probably that's what it was when I read that book. Then I asked myself the question, what have I been giving? And I've been given 50%. And when I get to wherever I'm going to go, and I'm judged, or I judge myself, do I want to judge myself and say, well, what could I have been? What should I have been? What would I have been? No, I want to do it and know what I am. And I haven't done that yet. So that's what I want to do. David Goggins. Is his David name. Goggins. Yeah. I think yeah. his book's called Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read that yeah. book and it's an awesome book. Amazing. Yeah. I've, I've watched a lot. Of, I watched a few interviews with him yesterday, actually. He's, he's yeah. an inspiring guy. Yeah. Oh, really inspiring guy. Yeah. He goes like beyond what people think it, uh, they're capable of. So uh, there's, there's a few factors here that's made you change and realize this. Well, one is you heard Dave Goggins' story and mm -hmm. maybe that motivated you in some way. On another level, there's a structure of regret as well. You said that looking back, what happens if I did give right. 100%, where would I be today? But also looking forward, you know, looking at, you, you mentioned the word legacy. And if I, if I gave my 110% effort, if I died tomorrow, what would be my legacy? Do you think that people thinking about their legacy, people thinking about that question of, if I die tomorrow, what would I have given the world? Is that something that can change people's life Absolutely. direction? Absolutely. If you were to ask a person to create their epitaph, okay, and say, what do you want on your headstone, okay? Steve Pulaski died this year. He was blank. And you can write your life. You can write your epitaph now, and then you give it the 100% effort. And I believe you can achieve what you want if you give it your efforts. Yeah, I think it's quite important. I think this is an unanswered question for most people is, what is your epitaph? And what do you want it to be? If you die tomorrow, what's going to be on your headstone? Oh, yeah, here's a guy that gave it half-ass effort all of his life. And yeah, okay, so he did this and this, but he died a unhappy guy. He never achieved what he could have achieved. Or do you want that epitaph to be, this guy gave 100% effort, whatever the outcome is, it is, it doesn't matter. But the fact that you gave, and that could be the epitaph, that I gave 100% effort towards everything I did. And that's that to me is a legacy. It's not... The, was I the founder of Microsoft or was I this or that? That's not important. What's important is on that epithet, I gave 100%. So rather than the goals that you achieved, because a lot of them in life are right. actually short-lived, you, you go through it and then 
even a few moments or a few months later, that joy is over and you're on to the next goal. But rather than focusing on goals, it's what kind of person did you become or what right. what was your defining characteristic that you're known for, that who you were the guy that gave 110%, for example? Yeah, I mean, if you think of SMART goals, okay, so you have results-based and you have performance-based, okay? Results-based is, well, I became CEO of a company, blah, blah, blah. But the performance-based is every day I woke up and I gave my best. I would rather say that than some result. Yeah. It, going back to when you talked about if I die tomorrow, what would my legacy be? The immediate question you asked after that was, what am I good at? What am mm. I good at? And, and that's almost like a, a building block for starting a, a new chapter of your life or mm. going on to a new path. It's looking at your existing strengths. So you've built up over the years. You've had you know, a successful career. You've built up a lot of great habits and skills. Is that, would you say, an important feature for people to, to think about in order to, in order to build their legacy or live their legacy, looking at their existing skills? Yeah, but at the same time, I think it can be dangerous because you can limit yourself based on what you think you're good at, and that may not give you the best that you can be. So I think it's important for people to, and this has been my problem, and I think a lot of people's problems, is they'll take the easier path, okay, which is this is what I'm good at because this is what I've done all my life or this is what I was educated in or whatever. And so one of the things that I did last year was I took myself out of the comfort zone. I was not a, a speaker. I, didn't, I wasn't the type of guy that could stand in front of a thousand people and give a speech or wasn't the type of person. I, I never wrote a book. But what I did last year was I took and looked at some of my weaknesses things that I was not comfortable with, internet marketing, coaching of executives, okay? I felt this insecurity. I said, I'm going to coach some guy that's running a multi-million you know, million or billion-dollar company, and I don't feel comfortable about it. I even remember when I got the lead for you, Matt, from a company I was working with, and they said, hey, you were interested in coaching. And so I pulled up your stats on uh, LinkedIn, and I was like, oh, man, this guy's like, an LP certified, he's a teacher, he's a coach, he's mastering LP, and I'm going to coach this guy. And, and so I felt this insecurity, you know, because it wasn't my comfort zone. But then when you challenge yourself into the things that you're not so comfortable with, you can find that, well, there's, you can dig deep inside, you can find that he's no different than anybody else, or the person that's running this company is no different than anybody else. They have the same problems, they have the same goals, the same desires, the same blocking points. So I think, yeah, don't limit yourself because this is what you're good at. A lot of people do that. Define your epitaph and whatever you do, just do the best you can do at it. It's interesting about challenging yourself and, and obviously that's a route to growth and, and to becoming a, a bigger person than you were the day before. How do you know what to challenge yourself on? Like you've just taken this role as, as MD. That's a new challenge. And in previous in your previous career, you've made decisions that have built your career into a very successful career. And each one you've been promoted, etc. How do you know what the right challenge is? If you know it's out of your comfort zone, how do you know what the right challenge is for you from your own experience? I don't know if this is the right challenge, but I feel it is. And it was an opportunity presented at the right time in the right area of business. The world's in turmoil right now. 
if I had chosen well, my last job, actually, MD in an aerospace company. And what, Boeing and Airbus has stopped production. And the, the company I was running before, they're laying people off left and right. They put people on uh, part-time uh, work, blah, blah, blah. The business I just happened to get into is about telecommunications, 5G infrastructure, which, by the way, with COVID, is like huge because people are spending more time on the internet, on cell phones and stuff like that. So there's a huge demand. I think I've been lucky. I always find the right opportunity at the right time so I can go with my gut instinct. It's interesting because the way I look at, at the world is this. And I meditate every morning, okay? And there's this really cool thing that I've come across when I meditate. And so I've connected with myself, which I was never able to do before. But when I can make this connection, and I can do it almost every day, what I see is the mirror image of myself, okay? I'm basically looking at myself from above, and I see myself, and I'm sitting in front of this globe. This globe is spinning like this, okay? And it's coming at me, and what I see is I see these small or big, huge, like black spots, and they're different areas. They're, they're left, right, or whatever. And what I have, what myself has, is that he has a control to my destiny. Now, he can't select what I'm going to do, but what he can do is he can make an XY adjustment on this thing so that when you see the opportunity rolling in front of you, then you can adjust yourself so that opportunity is presented to you. Okay, and then you then I, I act on that opportunity. And I think steering involves curiosity, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are you, what excites you? What are you curious about? Which direction are you, is your intuition, curiosity? I don't know what you call it, but there's something that is guiding you in that direction. Where's it come from? So I think this is where I call it luck, okay? Because intuition can be defined as luck, right? It's like I'm proceeding on a path that I've never been before, moving forward. And what's if you're driving down a road and you come to a fork in the road, and let's say there was no signs and you had no map, now you can make a decision. So which way would you go? It's gut instinct, right? It's, you know, or maybe I see mountains, I see oceans, so I wanna to go to the ocean. But the thing is, again, what causes you to make the decision when you have a three-way intersection where there's no signs and you don't know what's ahead on any of those roads. You don't know if there's a dead end road, okay? What makes you decide which road to go down? It's intuition. And then if you choose the right road, it's luck, okay? And I, I yeah. believe that. I think it's quite difficult to say anything differently. What would you say is your, do you have a purpose in life that you're aware of? Is this, is that, do, you, do you believe that everyone has a life purpose? Again, that means that there's a finite reason for you to be here and stuff. And I don't believe that there's a finite reason. I think there's an, another guy that I listen to a lot of Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek talks about the infinite mindset and the finite mindset. And he's a strong proponent, obviously, of infinite mindset. And I believe that also, okay? Because when you constrain yourself to a finite mindset, it's a check. It's a, okay, I got to that point. But when it's an infinite, it becomes the journey. And the journey becomes life's full of surprises, life's full of opportunities, life's full of everything. And so this is why I think you just, you choose a direction 
that you feel comfortable with. Doesn't have to be what somebody else does. Don't listen to other people. You go in that direction and you give it 100% effort. And then what comes of it? And you learn from it. It might be a wrong decision. It's okay. But at least you made the decision and you gave it 100% effort. That's what's important. Yeah, I think things can change all the time in life. There's so many external events that can happen. And I think for me, purpose is, you're right, it's like a direction that you're going and that can change. But it's Simon Sinek, I, I absolutely love his books. <laughs> Find your why, start your start with why. I've, that's really helped me with my life directions. He's, he's written one called The Infinite Game actually last year. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic book. But for me, yeah, purpose is you can have an overall statement and that will help you with one area, one direction of your life. That might evolve over time. I had a guest on on the show who got into a motorbike accident. He lost his wife. He was crippled and he was very like a millionaire real estate broker. Mm-hmm. And his purpose changed like in an instant. He didn't mm-hmm. like his yeah. identity changed. Luckily he re- he recovered and now is very happy. That those external events can change, but what what is useful is ha- exactly like you said, having a having a a direction in life that your gut is saying, yeah, this is right. This and you're presented with opportunities, and one of those opportunities aligns with your gut, aligns with what you want mm. unconsciously, and then you go in that direction. So yeah, interesting reflection there. In terms of passions, a lot of people that are consumed with their job. They tend to neglect, we've talked about balance already, Mm -hmm. but they tend to neglect or not are able to focus on their passions or even find passions. Some people, they would have got out of college and gone straight into work. They didn't know that they would love golf or they would love, I don't know, salsa Mm -hmm. dancing or reading certain types of books. How would you make time for, for more passions if you're a busy person? And how can you discover passions if you? feel like you you have a passionless life so i think passion to me is defined as a continuous improvement or learning in your life in any of the key areas that we're talking about it can be in your your career it can be not being complacent but always continuously learning continuous improving in your physical side always continuously improving learning in your mental side same thing again to me Passion is lack of complacency, right? And when you have complacency, you're not passionate. You have to have passion. What drives passion is change. It's learning. It's progressing beyond where you are because that gives you the internal excitement. So it's staying away from complacency, which is the most dangerous thing, and always challenging yourself to learn or to improve. And what would you say to people that have that are complacent right now they're they're complacent i wouldn't necessarily say that there might be some high achievers watching that that have not been complacent in their work but in other areas of their life maybe like their family maybe their health how can you change complacency what can you do about that what drives complacency is memory it's repeating doing the same thing which you become just this is the, the way I do things. So you have to change, again, direction, okay? Opportunity drives passion. Complacency is created because there is no change. There is no new opportunity that you're pursuing. There's, it's just the opposite. So 
complacency is people, it's a dangerous area to be in. And it's a area where most of the time you want to just challenge yourself. I, I can't think of any different terms than to get away from complacency, look for opportunity, look for ways to do things differently. Even if you're in a job, okay, and it's, let's say you're an assembly worker and you're doing the same thing every day, it becomes very complacent and your life can become very dull because you're not challenged, but you can always look at things differently. You can always think of new ways. You can always challenge yourself. You can create games in your head, but complacency is the biggest enemy of our success, okay? It stops everybody in their tracks from progressing. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the golf retirement time. Would you have done things differently if you hadn't have had your son taking yourself back to when you were golfing five days a week? Mm -hmm. Now, the, one of the big drivers was you wanted your son to, to have in principles of working diligently and having something more in life, I guess. Mm -hmm. If you hadn't had your son by that point, what do you think would have been different? That's a good question. And I think what would have been different is I would have, be, I would have become complacent and I wouldn't have been fulfilled in life and I would have got bored and then lonely and all the other things that come with it. And then there's a spiral that starts to happen and you start going down in a spiral. So that's what you need to stay away from is this dangerous spiral of lack of improvement, lack of excitement, lack of change moving forward. Because to me, you're either moving up this spiral, okay, or you're moving down it. You don't, complacency to me is not really stationary. It's actually going backwards. Complacency is this path backwards because you start to develop this lack of worth, this, this feeling of lack of worth, this maybe all different things. It's all these emotions and these are all negative emotions. So you can either have positive emotions or negative emotions. Negative emotions are gonna drive you backwards. Positive emotions are gonna drive you forward. From, from someone that's, that's gone through early retirement, speaking to people who are striving to become retired, mm -hmm. what would you say are the biggest lessons you've learned of, of actually going through that life? How can you better prepare for retirement, given what you've already gone through? That's an interesting question. And I just having coffee with a friend of mine this morning who is retired, who we talked about this exact subject. And really, what is not retirement is having structure. And so what happens with retirement is you lose structure. And what you need to do to anticipate retirement is to create what your structure is going to be like and anticipate it and say, will I be okay? If you're a guy that's working 60 hours a week and then start next Monday, you don't have to go to work anymore. It's a dangerous thing to be in if you don't have a plan. Okay. So careers, incomes, all these things are, are created with structure. Retirement has really no structure to it. And so you need to create structure and say, this is what I'm going to do. Every day I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to have a coffee. I'm going to read the newspaper. I'm going to come home. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do this. So you create an agenda for your life. And it doesn't have to be the same every day, but you got to realize we're creatures of habits and that we like structure. This is part of the problem. I think I've witnessed this over the last two months because a lot of people are working at home with COVID. And so my analysis of it is people lose structure. And when they lose structure, 
they lose commitment to the job. They lose the ability to get things done. And you've got to have a structure. So the structure to me is I do the same thing. I still wake up at the same time, even if I'm working from home. I still do what I normally would do. I'd have my coffee, I'd meditate, I'd exercise, whatever. I take my shower. I may not put a shirt and tie on, but I'll dress reasonably well. And I'll start my job at eight o'clock, which is what I would normally do, okay? And so you have to have structure. Then I write down my list of things. I've got to get these things done. No different than I would do at work. But yeah, a lot of people, they lose structure. They're like, I've been in my pajamas when it's 11 o'clock. No, I haven't eaten breakfast yet, this and that. There's no structure. So same with retirement, the structure. Right, doesn't yeah. To, doesn't, doesn't have to be rigid. Just have some at least loose structure that you plan. So I, I discussed the concept of having a planning your perfect day or planning your perfect mm-hmm. work week. But in the case of retirement, it would be your, your perfect retirement week. But knowing that you're going to be looking forward to a day that's planned out or at least the direction that you're going in with habits that you keep up for your mental health, for your physical health, et cetera. That's important. It's, yeah, having a plan, essentially, having a plan. Mm -hmm. The other aspect, of course, is you've lost your identity. When people Mm -hmm. leave their jobs, I was saying in in the last interview I, I did with someone that quit their job through burnout, they had this feeling of, I am my job. I've spent so many hours working on this job. Like now that I'm not in this job, I don't know who I am anymore. What do I do? And then there's almost a kind of self-destruct mode of like, I don't know who I am anymore. And so there's a void that uh, a lot of people want to fill. Do you feel that it's important to maybe have a transition, a slower Mm. transition into either into a job change or even into retirement in order to avoid that? Have you found that from your own experience in, in between jobs or from retirement to back to a job or the other way around? Yes. And you brought up a really good point about identity. And this is the problem with people in general, okay? And this is why people don't have happiness in their lives. It's because they've created an identity which they have to maintain. And to maintain that identity requires work and effort, okay? And then when you lose the environment that supports that identity, you're no longer what you were. So what I did is I had to strip away these fake identities, okay? This is the problem is people are carrying at least one, if not multiple identities. And if you really dig deep and ask yourself, are these really me or not? No, they aren't. They are self-created based on your upbringing, your environment, what you think people like to see, et cetera. And yeah, before retirement, this is a really good point is you've got to really start stripping your identities. And you've got to say, what is my foundation? What am I? I'm not this, okay? Or I'm not this. What am I at the core? And so this is where the self, this is where you need to dig deep. You need to understand yourself. You need to research. You need to have people help you, coaching, whatever, to get into it. And and I had a coach that helped me to understand and strip away my identities. And it was quite painful because you become attached to these identities, you support these identities, but it requires energy, it requires work, and you can go on forever doing this. So yeah, you have to say, what am I at the core? What was I a long time ago before I created all these identities? And it's really complicated because you got to say, why did I create these identities? And most of the times it goes back to childhood. So you got to go back on this journey in your mind to where did I start creating this identity? What was the reason for it? 
can I change it? And you can, you just have to have the tools to do it. So it's something super important, I agree. So you need structure and you need a cleansing period to start stripping away this fake identity that you've developed over years, which you continue to support, which if you don't have that, you collapse. Yeah, and it's a realization, it's a self-awareness of yeah, what is the real you? And it once you have more clarity on that, you can live an authentic life. You're yes. not by other people's agendas. You're actually doing something that's that's from you, from within you. Yeah. And perhaps that leads to more sustainable happiness at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Amazing. <laughs> Before you go, just one one last question. Now I consider you someone that burns from within and I define that as someone that, that's living a life with passion, with a, a purposeful life, and you you do have balance. You have balance for your your health, your physical health, your mental health, your family, your career. So you've really, I would say you're a person that burns from within. You're not running at burnout, but you have a really kind of rich life in that way. What's the one thing you think has made the biggest difference for you to burn from within? I would say stripping my identities that I used to carry because it was burdensome. It was heavy. It was tiring. And when you start to lose those identities or they're not supported anymore, you don't become, you become this like, when am I, I don't have worth anymore and stuff like this. So it's got to be strip the identities the best you can and realize that life is not about significance, right? It's not about, hey, he's important that makes you feel good. Or he's got a good body. That makes you feel good. I was looking at Dwayne Johnson today on Facebook. I was like, wow, this guy's buff. I said, but what if he broke his neck, unfortunately, and he lost his body? What would he be? He's not the rock anymore. And it's the identity that goes with it. And you've got you to be careful with the identity that you're carrying. It's like sports players, world famous, whatever it is, best in, best in the world basketball player or somebody. They break their leg and they can never play again. What was their identity? So you've got to be adaptable so that you can say, my identity is not I'm the best basketball player in the world, but I'm the best person in the world, or I'm the best philanthropist, or I'm the best whatever it is, but something that can support you no matter what the environment is. Amazing. What a way to to end the show. Thank you so much, Steve, for so many awesome insights and just sharing like your experience. You've got an amazing experience of such a, a successful career that you've built up. We explored your world of early retirement, your mindset of how you've got out of certain challenges and changes in your life and really like all showed us what purpose is, what passion is and how you've created balance in your life. And thank you once again for taking the time out and sharing your words of wisdom with us. And I hope you can enjoy that lovely palm tree behind you after this conversation today in your condo. <laughs> yeah, just getting ready to go take a swim in that lovely looking water. <laughs> after not being able to swim in a swimming pool in Thailand now for not being able to do a lot of things. Uh, yeah, not be able to go sit in a restaurant or coffee shop even. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you, Matt. And it's always been a pleasure talking with you, working with you, being your friend. And I wish you the best of luck with your shows because I think you've got tremendous skills. And like I told you before, um, I see now that you've found your niche and uh, you're pursuing it and go with it. Give it 100%, okay? Thank you. 
I absolutely loved that conversation with Steve. And if you resonated with any of the points raised, whether you realize you are just working for money and your life is maybe getting boring or out of balance or you're burning out, or if you feel your life or career path has little meaning to you, like when Steve took an early retirement and decided to come out of it. Becoming self-aware of what you want in life, what is most important to you, what more fulfilling path would you prefer to be on are all important questions for you to answer from within. As a certified career transition coach and also neuro-linguistic programming NLP trainer, I can gently support you to communicate within, with your unconscious mind. So whatever you decide to do next reflects the real you. So if you want to really discover more about yourself, like Steve did, in investing in your own self-development and awareness, check out my new 12-week career fulfillment program using International Coaching Federation certified tools from Firework, now part of Career Shifters. These have been proven over the last 14 years to help thousands of people find new careers that light them up inside. Go to burnfromwithin.com forward slash fulfilling career. That's F-U-L-F-I-L-L-I-N-G career for more info. And until next time, live with passion, purpose and balance and burn from within.